0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
1: If it's Tuesday night, and it is, and you're within the sound of my voice, and you may be, it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray,
0: and I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log, you are the star. You call us, you chime in with your questions and comments, and tonight we welcome a very special guest, the Sci-Babe herself, Yvette d'ontremont Now, is there not enough science in your sci-fi, or maybe too much science in your sci-fi? We'll explore that and so much more, and we'll talk about whatever else you want. We are here for you. Now you can click on the link to join our zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can even call us the old fashioned way dial us up at six, six, nine, 900, 6833 and enter the meeting code you'll
1: find in the show description and the comments. Thank you to everybody who is watching us tonight. If you're catching the show later, you're either watching the video on Facebook or at YouTube on YouTube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. Uh, we also put audio of this show into its very own podcast feed. You can find that on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. And speaking of fine podcasts, head over to podcast.roddenberry.com. There you will find links to all of our shows Mission Log, of course, this show, Mission Log Live, The Track Files, Women at Warp, and Priority One. And one last favor to ask, please, as long as you're here, uh, please like the show and please share the show because there's plenty of us to go around.
0: Hey, uh, we'll meet Yvette in just a minute. Uh, before we get to that, a little bit of business to take care of, but I always like to mention the people who are watching us live. Uh, John Krikorian. Uh, Ken, he's glad to see that you look like you have recovered from the Rigelian flu.
1: Mm. Isn't that good to know? It is. It is very yeah. good to know. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to almost sound human again.
0: Right. Right. Uh, we we have a, a kapla from William. Uh, we have a hello all around. Good evening and uh, hi everybody. And uh, way back when I first posted about our guest, uh, Meredith said in all caps, "I love her." So <laughs> very excited about that. Very glad to uh, to introduce our guest in a minute. Um, so if you do have questions about real science or fake science or sci-fi science, now is the time to call in and be ready. Again, you can click that zoom link or you can call six, six, nine, nine hundred, six, eight, three, three. And, uh, we do want to mention that we have a poll this week as we did last week. Ken, can you catch us up on last week's poll?
1: Uh, yeah, last week, the question was section 31, love it or hate it. Um, I'm honestly surprised by the answer. 59% of people said they love it. 41% said they hate it. So there you go. That's what you guys, (laughs) some of you guys anyway, well, 59% of you uh, think about uh, Section 31. Of course, we do have a new poll question this week as well, John.
0: Yes, yes, we do. And honestly, I'm a little bit surprised about the answer in this one, too. This week we asked, how important is the science in your sci-fi Seventy five percent of you said it's very important in your sci fi. Twenty five percent of you say not very important. I'm a little bit surprised. I actually am.
1: That is a bit surprising. Uh, Here's the thing, though. I mean, uh, the problem is the way the poll is set up. It's always a binary question. And it may be like, here's the thing. I'll bet you every one of those people can quote a line from Star Wars. Which is not overly sciencey, I I don't think, although certainly we could ask a vet about that coming up in just a moment as well. Okay. But I mean, just because, I mean, like maybe it's one of those things where when you get real science, then you get really excited. And then when you don't get real science, eh, it's still fine. By the way, when we said that you can ask her about real science, points to anybody who asks about the 80s movie. I'm kidding. Don't ask her about the 80s movie. I don't know if she's seen it or not. But when John said, you can call and ask her about real science. I'm like, so what, what, what interesting choices do you think Anthony Michael Hall made in that movie? Mm-hmm. The
0: answer is all of them. He made all the interesting choices <laughs> in that movie. Hey, uh, so before we get to your calls, we do want to remind you very quickly about our shop conveniently located at MissionLogPodcast.com. You just click shop. That's all you do. You go to missionlogpodcast.com. You know how to do that. And then you click on shop because Carl Huber is cranking out a ton of cool stuff for that very shop. Uh, Cool stuff like like what, Ken? What might Uh, you find in the Mission Log shop?
1: Well, cool stuff like the You See, Timmy t-shirt, bonk, bonk on the head since 1966. There is, of course, uh, the shirt commemorating the activities of Nova Squadron. Uh, there's the Titanics Mining Corporation shirt and old favorites like Cool as Kirk and Ethos, Pathos, and Logos as well. Now, what's really neat about all these, um, they aren't just for t-shirts. Mugs, stickers, notebooks, tapestries, uh, tons of stuff. Like I've got, uh, well, golly, I've got the sticker that I put on my Kindle and I've got the... Um, Uh, one of the journals. So, I mean, really just tons of stuff that people can check out, John.
0: Yeah. Uh, And those designs, again, at missionlogpodcast.com. So much to check out. You get to make your own truly unique Trek-ish gear. So get yours today at missionlogpodcast.com. By the way, going back to that poll question, um, (laughs) it was funny. Uh, Last week's poll question, Aaron Harvey says 59% of the viewers are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wise guy there. Uh, John Krikorian about this week's poll, he says it's not necessary, but it makes it so much better. And uh, he also says, I like the chocolate in my peanut butter, much like I enjoy the science in my sci-fi. So, uh, without any further ado, let us welcome our guest. Yvette Dontremont is a chemist and forensic scientist by training. She worked for eight years as an analytical chemist before her website, SciBabe.com, got ridiculously popular. She is a columnist at Self.com and a frequent lecturer. Uh, She is awaiting admission to Starfleet Academy. She has had all her shots, and you should, too. She is the Sci-Babe. So let's welcome Yvette Dontremont to the show.
2: Thank you for having me on. And it, it seems I have a cat on my lap, too. So Lexi will be joining us.
0: That, uh, welcome to Lexi, the cat. <laughs> and, and thank you so much, Yvette, for uh, appropriately theming yourself to our show.
2: It, you know, it's one, one, as I said before we got rolling here, uh, one does not simply uh, walk onto Mission Log. One comes with their, with their science officer uniform. That's, yes. That just I, I mean, it, it was it was waiting for the appropriate moment, and this this was the appropriate moment. My husband was getting tired of me wearing it for sex, so uh, this this was this was getting this seemed this seemed like the time. So, yes. I'm, yes. I'm just I'm just gonna have to go back to wearing the Jar Jar Banks costume for sex. Ugh. Oh oh. Ugh. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I really want to thank you for joining us tonight. It was a true pleasure. <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. I mean, just I, I forgive me, because John gave us a little bit of a rundown. But for people who don't know, uh, give us give us a let's say we're going further up in the elevator than John just did. Give us the elevator pitch on who uh, on who you are and who CyBabe babe is. Wow. And are they the same person?
2: it's there's there's a there's a little bit of of wiggle room between the two uh because you know you always curate a little bit for what people see like then there's the you know the then there's the the you know me the jackass sitting at home playing with the you know with the small petting zoo that i have obviously uh but you know it's a bunch of years ago uh here's here's kind of the the superhero origin story of psy babe uh so one day i got the worst headache of my life never went away uh and it's not a mother-in-law joke uh i I like my mother-in-law anyways uh, but moving on uh, so I get a bad headache doesn't go away and of course you know the when when you get something that's hard to treat medically uh, one of two things happen either it gets treated right away or uh, you you get into a world of hurt and with these really rare headache variants they're hard to manage uh, and because it didn't get managed right away like I went down the all natural organic rabbit hole and you know I worked with my doctors the whole time and I, I already had my master's degree at the time. So I was, I was scientifically, like, I was steeped in the science, I should have known better. But you know, I was vulnerable, I was in horrible pain. So like, while I was, you know, being medicine, I also, you know, I was like, maybe it's something in the food supply, like maybe, maybe the fat on my thighs is causing the pain in my face, you know, like, so I, <laughs> I started, you know, I, I went vegan for two years, I cut all the, you know, all the bad stuff out of my diet. And eventually, you know, medicine treated me like I, I found a, you know, with a with a neurologist found the right med combo, but still like I figured out that when you're vulnerable, when you're in horrible pain, you'll do anything to make the pain not be a thing. And you know, after I got a little skeptical about the stuff I was reading on the internet, it was it was much like hindsight, hindsight being twenty twenty. It was really easy to see how uh, these people spreading very bad information were were able to swoop in on someone like me who you know, though educated, uh, was vulnerable to some bad information. So eventually, um, you know, after my headaches were managed uh, I ended up working at a pesticide company after I'd been very pro organic anti gmo all that stuff and I saw how tightly regulated uh, all of these things were and how hard it was to get a pesticide to market and that I didn't just you know lick the vial of pesticide say it's probably not going to kill your kids uh, and go back to my desk and watch porn for 8 hours a day two max two <laughs> two maximum maybe three on Thursdays okay uh, but, but yeah. wait
0: but you know you wanted to lick the vial of pesticide you know, it's you wanted to love yeah.
2: lovingly, not for testing purposes. Cause exactly. is fun. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is, but those are that, that was the type of stuff that I started writing into this little blog that I started for, that was the blog was supposed to be for fun. I didn't expect it to become my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was funny cause I'd moved to California for this chemistry job and I had friends tell me, now don't go Hollywood on us. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like me really Us, uh, you know, this, this, like the like size six is considered fat in hollywood and i was a size eight. Oh, heaven forbid death death by hollywood standards <laughs> i'm like there's no way none of this is gonna happen and lo and behold life has happened uh so it's been very strange uh that this thing that i started on a whim uh turned into my job and has occasionally landed me on you know tv shows and i'm on on uh like this is this has been a kind of a, a big dream, and if I believed in such things as us living in a simulation, or sorry, a, a simulation, I would believe that this is possible. But no, I think we're all living on Earth, and I just got extremely lucky. Uh, and you know, I was good, but I was also very lucky. Uh, this all kind of happened. So now I just you know keep on finding things that are little bits of pseudoscience and try to try to root them out with with some good science and so- uh, and, a, and a side of <laughs> jokes.
0: <laughs> nice. So, so give us a rundown of your Trek fandom. I mean, you you sit here oh with the science uniform Long. on. You're you're bringing it. You're bringing the Trek fandom right here to Mission Log. But uh, oh, tell man. us a little bit about uh, was this something in in your childhood or uh, yeah. where did it start?
2: It's this is this is crazy. So my father and this is uh like I, I don't this is kind of sad. So I don't get along with my father anymore. And that's a long story that you and I can chat about off here. But like okay, he was it. he was the nuttiest uh Trek fan ever. And like I fought this when I was a kid, but now like but but you know, I, I secretly liked the trek while not liking my father and his obsession with it. Uh but like he uh he so obsessively recorded all of the episodes, and when Star Trek was on in my house, uh, specifically TNG, uh, like you didn't make a sound. Like if you if you talked, if you were in the living room, and you. F- Expert. Oh, sorry. I didn't ask if you can swear on this podcast. Uh, I keep probably, it to a minimum. <laughs> I, will, I will. calm it down. <laughs> um, probably should have clarified that beforehand because I'm mouthy. Uh, but anyways, uh, so uh, he, if you made a sound when when TNG was on, it was you were shushed. Uh, but like you know, while like he, dad was kind of he was a little bit uh, cranky about everything in life. But it's it's you know it made Star Trek a little like it made the time while Trek was on unenjoyable while Trek itself was really wonderful uh, because like you know it's it's you know you're a kid you don't want to be shush, but like Star Trek itself like when I got to be older it was like oh I really actually enjoyed it so like I started watching the episodes again while I was older and it was like there were some really wonderful memories around Star Trek except you know except that my father was such a jerk about it uh, <laughs> but you know like I, then I then Voyager came out like as uh, TNG ended and I was like, oh there's a girl captain you can have a girl like I was I was I think in junior high around the time that that happened and I really loved Voyager I don't think I ever really got into Deep Space Nine as much and now like my it's my brother loves Deep Space Nine he's like no you have to go back and watch it like they play <laughs> baseball and you're a baseball nut <laughs> so like and it's my it's my mom was a TOS uh, sorry it was yeah she she was uh, an original series uh, a fanatic of the original series so that's what got me to watch the originals and it's like there's been it's been this kind of lore that wrapped itself around my family uh, growing up. And I never really appreciated it until I realized how big this was outside of, you know, outside of my house. And, my, and I know that's going to sound weird, but my father, who had this obsessive bent on having to record all the episodes and silence us if we were, if we dared uh, make a noise. You know, we were children making noise in the house. How dare us? Uh, but no, it's, it was just, it was this thing that was always in the house. And, you know, you don't you don't appreciate it when you're a kid and there's this one person yelling at you to be quiet. (laughs) But no, it was it's now my there was this uh, my brother started going to Star Trek conventions in our, I think, like late 20s. And there was this uh, there's big convention uh, in Boston. And I know and William Shatner, long may he rave, uh, who he's he has now blocked me on Twitter. This was kind of sad, and it was for a science argument of all things. Wait, uh, William
0: Shatner blocked you on Twitter?
2: Uh, all, I don't even remember what it was for. Uh, later that year, I was flying out of Canada from a talk and we were on the same flight. Uh, and it was it was this really sad moment because I'm like, I'm like, oh, God, he's sitting five feet away from me. And I like worshipped you know, at the Church of the Shat uh, my entire life. <laughs> And it's like, it was like a month after he blocked me. And I'm like, oh God, this is, this is a very strange thing. And I was posting about it on my personal Facebook page. And one of my friends who isn't like, he's, you know, one of these consultants for, um, for science in Hollywood, he messaged me. He's like, he's like, yeah, Shatner's a good friend of mine. I've been texting about the fact that he's on a flight with my friend. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm ducking. No, I'm like, I'm like, you don't get it. I'm blocked on of Twitter. and I don't even know what I said, but it was just, yeah, that was that that's my that's my Shatner story. Oh, but anyways, uh the conference in Boston we were at, you know, there's always like a line of people to ask questions to you know to Shatner and his MO with these things is kind of embarrassing people. Is kind of like being like, look, I can rip you to shreds with like two words. And he's pretty good at it. As someone who enjoys insulting people on Twitter occasionally, uh, when they're, they're like, I can be a j- bigger jerk than you. I'm like, I'll be a funnier jerk than you. Uh, but Shatner is good at that. But my brother gets up on stage and uh, tells him, because my brother was in the army for a while, gets up and uh, says hey star trek kind of uh, and the character of captain kirk kind of inspired part of my military career and it turns into people in the audience crying and william shatner eventually hugging my brother on stage and shatner wow. it's like what shatner touched a fan
3: oh, that never
2: happens no. uh, but it was like it, like the little story like it made the, the papers in boston it was like damn that was a moment but yeah there have been little moments for star trek like throughout my life so that was that was probably one of the sweeter ones because my brother got off stage and it's like he was like those endorphins were all there and that was long i think i think i was 28 when that happened so that was uh th- like these there have been all these really sweet little things from star trek all through you know growing up and through my life so that yeah that was my brother's moment of meeting shatner
1: <laughs> nice
0: So
2: yeah
1: Yvette D'Entremont is our guest this evening, the Sci-Babe. Of course, if you have any questions, we would love for you to get those questions in. So join our Zoom meeting by, uh, you know, clicking the thing near the video that I assume you're watching right this second. Uh, you can also use the one-tap phone uh, form, excuse me, from your smartphone. And you can call us the old-fashioned way, 669 uh, So you probably heard at the beginning of the show, we have a poll question that we ask people, and I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, How important is the science part of science fiction uh, to you?
0: It's
2: Oh, how to to phrase this kindly. Science and science fiction is always horrible. (laughs) Like if you ask anyone who's actually a scientist, it's bad. Like it's never, I mean, my master's is in forensics. I can't watch, and I mean, I never really watched the CSI type shows before I went to to grad school, and it's a good thing I didn't because all of my expectations would have been shattered. I would have yeah. been like, "But aren't you supposed to call Gibbs and like the, and Abby in, in the lab, and they're gonna just zoom on everything, and that solves it? Like, isn't that how science works?" And, oh my god, it's there. There's like you'll see no actual science, and I mean, you'll see, I'd say ninety five percent. Percent science. Like, there's the occasional movie that gets it right or gets some of it right, but, or, you know, basis what they're doing on a handful of real ish concepts. But there's, there, like, you, I mean, when you go to the movies, don't, on some level, you want to see something fantastic. You want something. Like, that's, that's fabulistic. I'm I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'm going with it. Uh, (laughs) It is now. Yeah, you want something that's really far removed from reality. And, like, if, I mean, science, I say this as someone who spent a lot of years in the lab, science is boring. (laughs) Like, you don't want, you want the eureka moment. You want the, the, uh, the, the thing exploding and the, that means I have a discovery. And all of a sudden, like, you don't want, you want to know what happens in science? Paperwork. Sorry, pardon me. <laughs> you you want, like, science is a lot of paperwork. It's it's like, it's me sitting at my desk crunching numbers after hours of extracting a chemical. Science, it's not the explosion. It's the, like, I mean, and that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. It means that there are people who are dedicated enough to making sure that you eventually have a better boner pill, that they will sit at a desk doing paperwork. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Listen, they're doing that for you. Well, maybe not for you. I wouldn't say that. You, I don't know what your. I don't know what your thing is. But still, they're doing that for the greater you out there, and that's so, that's what's amazing about science. You know, it's like there are these people that are that dedicated to discovery that they are sitting at a desk crunching numbers. For it's us. It's sexy, but it's us. a thing.
0: It's yeah, hard. Uh, so in, in our chat, John McQuillan, he, he calls out one of my favorite uh, bad science uh, uh, tropes in science fiction, which is enhance. You just <laughs> take a picture <laughs> was, and you just say yeah. enhance and suddenly you can see I everything love. in the picture that, uh. that wasn't originally captured. Um, and, and Josh asks you a question for the Psybase. babe any particular episodes or films that drive you crazy for their bad Ooh. science?
2: Oh, see, particular episodes of film. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, ages ago, I watched. Uh, I watched a bit of NCIS back in the day, and I, I enjoyed it for a couple of things. Number one, oh, Gibbs owns my heart. He's just he's he's a pretty older man. Uh, and number two, uh, um, there was and uh, like I, I uh, here was there there was this one episode where they were trying to analyze this snack cake. Thank I don't remember the name of the episode, but anyways, the snack cake someone had eaten, like it, it like made them, I don't know. They, they had this horrible reaction and all. They were poisoned by the snack cake. So as a chemist who like, I, I specialize in method development, uh, like I would take a, you know, a starting material either. Um, I mean, it's, I extracted, you know, uh, explosives from, I mean, the, the, the chemical within the explosive from bombs, or I would extract, uh, you know, drugs from urine. Like there were, there were, I, you know, Extraction is a very careful thing because you have to make sure you get the raw material, like the the target molecule, out of the thing without losing any of it over this uh, this process, without uh, keeping any of all the other things in that you know starting material that could possibly hurt your machine, uh, and without keeping like and you're using other chemicals along the way to extract this. You have to make sure you get rid of all those other chemicals that once again could possibly hurt the equipment you're working on. Abby, uh, the, the gothic-y chemist in the show, who's adorable and has these great outfits, and I love her boots. It's, I may have gotten some Doc Martens because I loved her outfits so much, and I, I might possibly have one of those, you know, adorable. Let, let, let me just say that this is not the only uh, uh, character outfit that I uh, have. Moving on, uh, there is a thing that she did in this episode that made me, the method development chemist, very angry. She takes the snack cake and puts it into a GCMS bile and just injects the snack cake right into the GCMS. I'm like. You're gonna destroy. You're gonna destroy the column, but are you, all the lipids and that snack. Ah, I couldn't tell which part of the machine was gonna die first, but she was gonna kill them. Why would you do that? <laughs> a million chemists watching, or however many they could trick into watching that show, were crying all at once. It's not how you chemist. So, anyways, if anybody watching this ever doubted that I actually did my job. Please have no doubt now, because I could think of a million different ways that she could possibly have done that without killing her machine, and she did it the worst possible way. Hope, hope that. So that's the the biggest thing that ever really made me upset watching a show. Like I, I think I actually like threw something at the computer when I was watching that. I was like, "What are you doing? Do you have any? Do have any millions of dollars? You just ah." So
1: so is there anything then i mean we are actually talking during the week of the premiere the 50th anniversary of the premiere of 2001 the space odyssey mm. which a lot of people will point to as you know i mean because it was arthur c Clarke, and because he and and uh and uh, uh stanley kubrick were trying to make sort of a smart science fiction film oh yes is there anything that you do look at that you're like all right nothing's going to get it completely right but but that one is interesting or that one sort of does come close or is it all just out the window because it's on tv or on the or in the movies
2: like i i think i'm surprisingly the martian did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. i mean it's the odds of somebody managing to survive for that long very very slim Uh, the way they presented it though like you know if someone managed to survive, here's how they do it, uh, is the way I kind of look at that one. Like, yeah, he would have to have had all of these things happen just right. But, you know, they they didn't say anything that was implausible in that. Like, the, you know, living on potatoes for three years sorry uh, it's i'm 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 sitting here going oh god you must be in the back of your mind going how do i bleep all of this uh, but <laughs> but like it's I'm i'm sending you a pony after this is over <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah it's like living living on on poo potatoes for for three years highly unlikely uh but you know impossible implausible no uh this is a thing that could be done. Like the the things that happen in that one, less less unlikely, less like I mean they're not they are not talking about phasers and, and and shields and things that we've never actually accomplished yet. So that's uh it, it's that that's the least ridiculous that I've seen. I mean there are things in there that are still ridiculous, things that we haven't done yet, but less ridiculous than others.
1: I hate to do this, but I'm gonna be that guy. You read the book, right? It's okay if you didn't. I, it's fine. I have not. I have okay. Not. <laughs> the book, honestly, I'm not. Um, obviously, I'm not a scientist. But, but there were things that they took out of the movie that I was like, wow, I really wish they had left that in, oh. because it just added a 10% brutality that oh. that I feel like was. I mean, it's not like the movie was a Disney version of it. The movie was still yeah. pretty rough, but there were things that they talked about in the book that I was like, that's that's cold. Horrible things happening. No, not horrible things happening, but the possibility of horrible things, all of which yeah. I think, I mean, it's uh, that is, I mean, I love the fact that you named that one, because I think that's, uh, I mean, uh, speaking as a non-scientist, it sure felt science Yeah,
2: I mean, a, a possibility <laughs> of, of, like, when something like this happens, like, the possibility of, of death, of something horrible, like, he was stranded on another planet. It wasn't like he was gonna have a, you know, it wasn't a walk in the park. It's, this is, like, I I, I think that that was one thing that did feel absent like you kind of felt like he was going to come home every every second that you're watching this like i i think this possibility that he might not wake up should have should have felt a little more there but you know sorry to any viewers that are watching this that haven't seen like what a three-year-old movie at this point somehow matt damon made it home
1: yeah, in the novel, I think you weren't necessarily certain that he was going to make it home because it wasn't played by Matt Damon. But then, you know, once it's Matt Damon on a planet, it's like, well, he's coming home. Just
2: it doesn't, it. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Matt Damon in World War Two or Matt Damon on Mars. We're 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 freaking getting him home. It doesn't That's matter true. how many trillions of dollars the U.S. government spends. He's he's coming home. <laughs> so it's I, Yeah,
1: I it's, love that. I, I forgot about that. Didn't somebody figure out one time exactly how many millions of dollars the U.S. Yeah. government has spent saving Matt Damon?
2: Yeah. So someone more clever than me went out and and crunched the numbers on that. Like it's here. Here's the maybe it's just that Matt Damon is is, uh, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to Trump and and John McCain this one, but maybe Matt Damon is just bad at whatever job he's doing.
1: Uh, Well, or he he may be a national treasure worth spending millions of (laughs) dollars every other year. I mean, it's tough to say.
2: Like, who knows? Maybe if he was another astronaut, maybe he wouldn't have blown a hole in the uh, in the spaceship, which what was the thing that caused me to be stranded on Mars again? I forget what it was. It's been so long since I've seen the movie.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's been a few years, but we'll all get together and watch it again.
2: I think that's the play. Come come visit me in San Francisco. Y'all are y'all are invited to come hang out.
1: Fantastic! Hey, uh, we've got a little bit of business that we need to do, but I want to remind everybody: uh, we are we are listening to. Or we're joined rather, or we're here tonight with the side babe, event on And again, if you have questions you'd like to ask or comments you'd like to make, we would love it if you did that. So click on the Zoom meeting link, or if you're watching on your smartphone, there's a there's a one tap form that you can click on there. Uh, there is also a phone number that I am desperately trying to find. And uh, failing miserably.
0: I, I think I know the number you're looking for. Ken. Oh, good, good, good. I think you're okay. looking for
1: uh, 669-900-6833. I don't think that's it.
0: Uh, <laughs> you're the worst.
1: Yeah, I you're know. Uh, so, so please go ahead and give us a call and have your questions lined up for vet, Or keep popping them in the Facebook uh, chat room. And by the way, if you're in the Facebook chat room, please go ahead and hit like again, because uh, there's nothing we like more than being liked. Well, yeah. there are things that we do like quite a bit, though, like uh, the good people over at Eagle Moss and the official uh, Discovery Starships collection. Uh, can we say a word or two about them, John? Do you mind? I
0: think if we I'm can. Fine? In fact, uh, you, you keep talking.
1: Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do that.
0: i this beautiful model here of the
1: Discovery. Oh, is. is that what you're going to do? Really? Yeah, when, do. when the camera's back on me, and if you want to let me know when that is, I will also show up. The, I will show the really cool magazine that i love so much that came with my discovery nice. i haven't taken mine out of the box yet yeah uh-huh. so uh eagle moss the official star trek discovery starships collection um Discovery's done of course for quite a while yes we know they're working on season two and we're excited about season two but if you miss the discovery you can have the discovery uh eagle moss wants you to get a whole bunch of ships actually from discovery um yeah So, on the Federation side, you got ships like the Shenzhou, the Discovery, uh, the Corella, the Jaeger, the Europa, and then flying in from the Klingon space. I hope you don't mind, John, but I'm going to do the Klingon ships this week.
0: Okay, do it. You got it. You got this.
1: I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Bird of Prey? Oh, so close. Yeah. Yeah, I (laughs) think so. And the uh, class destroy that was perfect that was perfect Thank you very much i was able to make that noise this week without making that noise for another 30 minutes
0: <laughs> so what you will see when you visit eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships or renderings ...that serve as the basis for the die-cast models themselves, painstakingly reproduced, as always, under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Now, these are officially authorized by CBS. They're roughly 8 to 10 inches from bow to stern. That's a good-sized little ship. They are hand-painted. They are rich in detail because they're die They have a nice heft to them, for sure. Each comes with that awesome magazine that Ken was showing off, and it is full of real-world and in-universe information, and each comes with a display stand, not unlike this guy, suitable for displaying your ships. Look
1: at that! It looks like you're just holding up your hand as the display stand, right? It doesn't it doesn't come with a hand? So not Yeah, you could use yeah. your own hand. Yeah. You could use your own hand. That's true. Uh, subscribers will get their first ship, the USS Shenzu NCC twelve twenty seven for only nine dollars and ninety five cents with free shipping. Look at that! A ship with free shipping. How can you beat it? Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC 1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber's price of $44.95 each. That's about 20% off the standard retail price. And those ships also ship with free shipping. Shipping.
0: That's very good. Now, you might be somebody who wants to pick and choose your own ship and who can blame you. You could do that. Now, for that, you can go to shop.eaglemoss.com or you can check out your local comic book shop. You'll pay about 10 bucks more there, but saving money isn't the only reason to subscribe. Subscribers get free gifts worth over 100 bucks during their subscription, and, of course, you can cancel your subscription at any time.
1: So, to subscribe... EagleMoss.com slash Discovery Starships to buy individually shop.EagleMoss.com. And a huge thanks as always to EagleMoss for sponsoring this week's edition of Mission Log Live. Now, we
0: are on tonight with Yvette D'Entremont, the Psy Babe. So any of you who want to uh, call in and join us live with Yvette, you can do so by clicking on the Zoom link, or you can call that number that we mentioned only moments ago. I think it goes a little something like 669-900-6833, and enter the meeting code. And a lot of people are chiming in on the Facebook chat, so we can go to some of those questions. Uh, This actually is going to lead us into a little conversation about believability in Star Trek. Uh, Yvette, one of our listeners says, uh, this is from Steven, says, what do you think about the tech of the transporter, the Heisenberg principle, compensators, etc.? I- is this maybe one of the biggest leaps of imagination that we take with Star Trek?
2: It's, I, I think... <sighs> You know, I look at this one and go, I, 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 I still fear too much that it's going to be uh, a thing like in uh, the movie *The Fly*, where you hop into it and any little microorganisms that are in you, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get spliced with that. Like, I, I just, I can't. That's one that I look at and go, no, we just, we're too, Like, I, I get it that it's several hundred years from now, or at least, like, what's, what's the closest trek to right now? About two hundred years from now.
0: I, well, so *Enterprise* was set in the twenty-one fifties.
2: Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think we're 150 years away from that. I think we're yeah. hundreds of years from that because I know that at this point we've uh, like, like, like we've kind of proven or at least theoretically we've proven wormholes. We've proven certain amounts of things that we can, you know, transport. Uh, some particles through, like we've, what is it? We've proven tachyons at this point. We've proven some particles that can move through uh, time in a nonlinear fashion. We've proven some particles that we can, you know, we can uh, move in, uh, you know, spatially nonlinearly, but I don't think we can disassemble and reassemble full humans at this point with their clothing, with all the matter around them. I'm just like, I, I'm not, I'm not, think I, I just nah <laughs> it's i i get it that that's a non-scientific answer but i'm like i'm looking at all the things that we we've shown we can do that you know like because science is is sequential we you know it's like we build up you know like mathematically start with you know one plus one is two and eventually you know after a lot of different weight uh things that we know from there, a lot of different theorems. Uh, We eventually get up to calculus. You know, after, like, I know it's a long leap from one plus one is two up to calc, but, you know, it's sequential. (laughs) You build on your knowledge. And I don't think from, you know, tachyons and a few uh, a tiny little handful of things, I don't think we're at transporters yet, and I think we're a long ways away from that. Like right now, I'm just hoping that I can get my my iPhone to to not randomly short out on me when I have too many apps open at a time. I don't think we're at transporters, and I don't want to be the first, the second, or the third person to try that. out. I want to be like the the, the ten thousand. I'm like, show me. Like, I don't even trust cars without drivers yet. I we're not at transporters that beam you somewhere. Think about the fact that people are still like, "Whoa, the tra- the the car without a driver hit someone." We're not at transporters. <laughs>
0: Okay, but but the transporter being a piece of technology that is not believable to to us or, or to uh, certainly our current level of scientific understanding, that yeah. doesn't take away from your enjoyment of Star Trek, though.
2: Oh no, and, not at and, all. I love it.
0: Yeah. So I, I wonder what it is about that. that, that That's the sort of a piece of technology we accept. And we say, this is how Star Trek works. That's just a oh, thing. And we have it in every episode ever. That reminded um,
2: me of something so funny.
0: Sorry, carry on. Go ahead. No, please, it's, please. Oh,
2: it's, so it's, you know, they're like watching and I get it. I'm hopping onto Star Wars for a moment. Am I going to get banned for, for, for this or, yeah, or maybe, like,
0: maybe we'll, we'll so see it's
2: everyone seems to have a thing in the new star Wars movie. They're like, this ruined it for me forever. And I'm like, my, f- it's, 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 it's he's, he's like, you're off of here. That's the, thing. <laughs> it's, but no, it's like, there, there always seems to be the one thing that they're like, this is the one thing that made it unbelievable. I'm real, like really laser swords. We've accepted mm-hmm. the force laser swords, whatever the hell George R. Banks is. But like the one thing that seemed to make everyone like it's my husband was like nope I can't do it with star killer base I'm like everything else was I'm like we suspended disbelief for years over like you said transporters which is something that is just as alien to us as all these other crazy things and like star killer base is ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous but i feel like uh if if we're looking at how uh, how far removed it is from everything else we have it's about as far removed as transporters at this point. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's farther removed probably, but like it's, you know, if we, they had other technology in there that seemed to blow up an entire planet. Like they already had uh, the original Death Star blew up Alderaan. Like that was, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, like, yep. Dark Killer Base was just—it's a bigger, badder thing that blows up a planet. Like, I just thought it was funny that that was the thing. So people have weird ways that they quantify. This is the th- the technology that's just too far. I-, I can't suspend disbelief for this. And it's like when you're talking about things that are uh, that are not sciency, that are you know that that don't seem to have a basis in our known reality. It's just—it seems to be what triggers my my, my, uh, you know, the, the thing in my brain that says this doesn't seem to line up with what I know is reality. And for a scientist who knows what science is, who knows the process, a lot of things go, you know, go, this isn't science. And for someone who hasn't stepped foot in the lab, it's so much further away. But then I have science, uh, scientist friends who had, you know, who, who Starkiller Base killed it for. So,
1: you know, okay. Did, did Starkiller Base kill it though because of the science or because it was the third freaking Death Star? Because we got one in Star Wars, <laughs> we got one in Return of the Jedi. And then they're like, hey, we're doing a whole new Star Wars, we're blowing out everything you've known. And here's this week's Death yeah. Star.
2: You know what's funny is that I think like we had we had this week's Death Star and that killed it for some people and like there were some people that were so mad that uh, they they were they were so mad that the that uh, uh the um uh the Force Awakens was just like the uh it was like hey look we're doing uh you know we're 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 uh, doing a New Hope again and then they were really really mad because they were like the Last Jedi was exactly not like uh, Empire I'm like which do you want? Do you want the old classics or do you (laughs) want the new skin? And I kind of, I went into the last Jedi thinking, Hey, look, we're doing empire. And indeed I was pretty sure I I felt like we were doing empire all over again, only with a few twists, but it's, you know, you, you can't like, I have one friend on my buddy list who every day there's a new rant about star Wars. I'm like, Bruh, I got I what what drug do you want to get yourself over this? I, I'll I'll find it for you. Whatever you need to make my newsfeed not look like this. <laughs> But there it's everyone's got their thing in in, within the nerdiverse that that they've got to rant about. And it's you know, that's what I love about the nerdiverse. It's passionate. And we're arguing about silly things that that we uh, that we love. And it's it's fun to like I like this is literally what I do with my husband on a pretty much nightly basis is we watch. Uh, nerd videos that are arguing about nerdiness, about different like Star Wars, Star Trek. Every single uh, like we we watch like game theory and film theory videos to you know argue about random little things in uh, in in Star Trek and, and and Star Wars. And it's like this is this is what we've come to a like a, a a point that we're doing now is we're watching uh, movie uh, uh, movie theory and game theory things. This is, this is where we're at in our relationship and what keeps the passion alive is, uh, is nerding out. It's, it's fun.
0: So it, it, it's funny, there's a long litany of people in our chat who, who are talking about the, uh, the, the production reason for the transporter. Yeah. And yes, you, you are all absolutely right. The production yes. reason is that uh, it costs a lot of money for special effects to land a shuttle on a new planet every week. So as a shortcut, we dematerialize and rematerialize actors. And you can do that with a repeatable, quick effect. No problem at all. Absolutely right. I think the question lands about what is our level of suspension of disbelief about the technology. In Star Trek, they do a really great job of saying, like, well, this is a technology we have. We'll justify it with our sort of fake science here. And it just becomes a thing. It just becomes a thing
1: that is the fabric of the show. Um, There's one other thing. Forgive me. I mean, the three of us sitting here are all under 51 and a half. So we grew up with transporters as a thing. I mean, there wasn't a time, you know, when I was eight and started watching Star Trek or 10 or however old I was, when I actually started paying attention to Star Trek, I was too young to go, hang on a second. Now here's the thing. I was seven when Star Wars came out. So I can accept the force. I was 28 when, the Phantom Menace came out. I can't accept the Metachlorians. I mean, it's a question of, a question of I mean, I think part of, part of the reason we all accept the transporter is because since before any of us were anything, at least the three of us on this panel, yep. uh, there were transporters long before there was you or me. Hey, um, we actually have a, uh, we have, oh. we have a caller on the line.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kim, I believe, is there waiting patiently. Kim, are you there? I am. Hi,
3: Kim. Hey, Yvette, and, and John and Ken.
1: Nice Good to see back. you again, Ken. What's on yeah. your mind tonight? Uh,
3: well, I, I got to thank you guys for having Yvette on because I, believe it or not, I, I do follow some social media, but I didn't know that Yvette was out there. And I was uh, checking out uh, her feed here the last couple of days and uh, found that very interesting. So guess what, Yvette? I am following you now. Thank you. Thank you nice. very much. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the one question I have for you, Yvette, is um, are you still doing uh, actual science or are you, just still, are you just so involved with the social media stuff and, and doing that that you are uh, consumed with that enough that you're not uh, still uh, practicing on the science side?
2: So uh, a couple answers to that question. So number one, I, uh, I do my write. The main thing that I do right right now is I write, uh, and I write for uh, the outline and I write for self and the stuff that I do for the outline is some really intensive, uh, uh, deep dive investigative journalism. And I love what I do over there. And I try to bust people that are promoting bad science. Uh, and sometimes right now I have, I have an investigation going on, uh, into, uh, into someone that I, I can't talk since we're in the middle of it. I can't talk too much about it, but my next article. Uh, it's where we're busting someone who might be promoting a dangerous. Uh, uh, pro- uh, yeah. It's like I shouldn't talk too much about it because we're in the middle of it. But I really, I really try to bust people who are, uh, who are promoting things that could be uh, dangerous for people's health, and who try to, and who might be taking advantage of people's uh, uh vulnerability, and sometimes taking their money. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's an important, you know, use of, 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 my science. And I've had people tell me they've started vaccinating their kids. Uh, they've started, uh, they, they've gotten away from some BS diets. Uh, and I mean, I've seen like these things I think are really important uses of my uh, of my science background uh, and I mean as much as like I really love my work in the lab this is another way that I can use my my degrees now there is another uh, side to what I'm I do. Uh, I've got. Uh, there's an offer on the table to work as a lab director uh, at a, a lab that's going to be opening in, in a few months. I've already started consulting with uh, with some investors on this. So even though I haven't been working in the lab for the last about two and a half years, uh, indeed, like there's, I, I didn't get my degree taken away from me. <laughs> so it's like there, it's it's still there. Like, uh, and I have to, I've had to read scientific papers. Constantly through this, so even though uh, you know the main thing that people see on a regular basis is the social media stuff. Like on a on a daily basis, I'm tweeting and I'm on my Facebook page, and that's kind of to keep people that read my my deep dive articles engaged while I'm in the background, you know, talking with editors and reading through uh, you know thousands of pages of of uh, scientific text and in, in in some cases legal documents to make sure that I'm keeping myself in the clear uh, when I'm writing these because I run a really big risk of being. Sued when I go after some of these people, because like I wrote an article on David Avocado Wolf last year that the biggest fear with that thing was getting sued when I wrote about him uh, because he was he was very tricky to write about. Uh, and I, I've, you know, I've had, it's been a very big education on how to be a journalist because I had to basically learn how to, how to journalist um, off the top of this because I'm a good writer, but journalism is, is, you know, it's difficult, it's daunting and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's learn a new skillset, uh keep the, keep the old skill set fresh uh, and make sure I can keep being goofy and fun for people while I'm doing all of this. So I, I hope that, uh, hope that answers your question and I hope I don't disappoint you uh, while you're, while you're starting to follow.
0: You know, it's funny. It's uh, quite coincidentally, uh, Vanessa, who said uh, hi from Van in Australia, she says um, uh, she's asking about David Avocado Wolf. She says, uh, what Star Trek exospecies would he be? Oh, um, I don't know if legally you can answer that or not. Uh,
2: Oh, uh, a Ferengi. Ferengi, yeah. Uh it's I mean he's always he does he does seem a little a little greedy, a little underhanded. So uh-huh. um I think I I think that would be hmm, there, do we is there a species that's very is there an uber charming species uh that that's uh that's very good at um hmm, I don't want to mm. I don't want to, let's see, because the thing I've been told about Wolf is that he is, because I've, I've talked to a few people that were former associates, and I've heard he's, number one, very smart, number two, very charming, number three, lacks a moral center. That's in, in, okay. the, in right. the opinions of people who, who shall remain nameless, who are anonymous sources.
0: All right, so allegedly Ferengi.
2: Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. Ferengi. Allegedly okay. Ferengi. Very okay. nice. There were, hey, there, were some, there were some nice Ferengi, maybe. Yeah,
0: it's- yeah. Depends on when you catch them. Exactly,
2: <laughs> could be nice, could be nice, but their general nature. Uh, we're gonna go with Wolf being Ferengi. There we go.
0: Kim, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it.
2: Hey,
3: thanks for having me on. Just thinking of Quark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quark's the one. Although we're only what four episodes into Deep Space Nine at this point, you think? Yeah, well,
0: he's, uh, he's number changed. four. Number four. Yeah, yeah.
1: Number four drops. Uh, drops this week.
3: Thursday. Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot, Kim. Thank you. Hey, I want to do two things really quickly. First of all, I want to let people know, and we probably should have warned um, Yvette about this. We're reintroducing the lightning round. Oh, yeah. Because we had this great idea like two or three weeks ago. It's like, let's do the lightning round. And then we forgot about it and never did it again. So we're bringing that back. (laughs) Just for you. In just a moment. Uh, but first, something for you to do after the lightning round and after our show. We'd love it if you stayed on Facebook to catch the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Every Tuesday between 11 and 11.30 is when they kick off. That's 11, 11.30 Eastern, 8 to 8.30 Pacific. Elijah, Kenna, Tony, and Winters uh, bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. Uh, TV and movie talk, gaming news, literary reviews, tons of stuff. If you want to see behind-the-scenes of a well-produced <laughs> podcast, uh, this is the behind-the-scenes part. Uh, check it out live because I do know that they love having people uh, stop by and say, hey, The kick off a few minutes after this show every Tuesday night live on Facebook, so don't touch that thing that passes for a dial these days. Uh, settle in for Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast streaming live as it happens at facebook.com slash priority1podcast. So I know you're a science type. You may not be familiar with the parlance of like, uh, you know, game shows and things. But we have a thing called the lightning round.
2: I'm familiar. Lightning rounds tend to be fire, rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: See, very good. Very, very good. well. Well done. Yeah. Yep. So uh, bear in mind, as we throw these questions at you, there are no wrong answers. Oh. Star Wars or Star Trek? Okay. Mm-hmm. There may be one wrong answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are, we are going to have to go star trek on this just so that i don't get kicked off the show But
1: yeah well you've also got the outfit so really yeah. Yeah. what else was it going to be yeah. uh favorite planet of the apes movie
2: I, I i don't have one i've never seen a single one i'm about ba- just kill me now
1: and okay. nope. that will get you kicked off the show <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right uh pseudoscientific product or belief that drives you absolutely nuts above above all others cleanse us oh really really Kansas,
2: Kansas. okay Kansas. it's uh, a toxicology person just uh, i'm not gonna say all the words because that will get me kicked off the podcast <laughs> i have a lot of them and they're the top shelf swears
1: nice. uh, wow well, okay we I- haven't i'm fine not hearing those by the way in case you're wondering um favorite scientist from history
2: oh ooh, uh we're gonna go with marie curie
1: Nice. favorite scientist from fiction
2: Oh, oh, fiction. Mm, um, I, do I have a... Um, well, even though he's not a scientist, we're gonna go with uh, Sherlock Holmes because he was an investigator. And that's something that I kind of consider... Uh, I, have to, I have to work with clues. I have to work with behavior. Uh, and that's something that tips me off that someone's peddling some BS is always the language that someone uses. Uh, and more so than even the, the science... Uh, which is which is kind of a strange thing to say i know but that's that that it's something that i've always uh, kind of loved about that oh wait wait uh dr house actually
0: oh <laughs> nice good. Which, good which is
2: kind of a t- which is kind of a t- spin-off of uh of um of, of sherlock holmes because yeah. they wanted to combine a scientist really. and a uh, and a sherlock so
0: yeah all right uh favorite piece of laboratory equipment and why
2: Oh, uh, the GCMS seventy-eight ninety because it's such an elegant piece of equipment, yeah. oh, especially if, especially if you give me one with the dual injection port.
0: Oh, it's so much better than the eighty-nine. It's at least one better. Yeah, okay, I have no awesome. idea what you're talking about. Yes,
2: no, I. Yeah, neither it, it I. Is, so GCMS. It is a gas chromatograph. Uh, gas chromatograph. Uh, um, it's anyways. You. Uh, it's. You know what? I'm not gonna. It's. This would, this would just annoy your uh, listeners. Uh, so either way, it separates uh, um, ions and lets you know what, how much of what you injected into it you did and lets you know what you've got. So Sweet. It's, it, it identifies molecules. Piece and of Trek. Yeah, go
0: uh, ahead. Okay, a piece of Trek technology you want to take home with you
2: who either mm, either a phaser, uh, which probably not, or, um, let's God too many. Um, it's no phaser would be too mean. Um, cause I don't really have need for a phaser. Um, I would, I would love a transporter. I would love, Oh, it's, I would say I want one of those communicators, but we've got better than that now. Like that's something I would have wanted forever ago. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, yeah. Could we have, could we have those little, it's could, 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 could we, uh, could we have a transporter? That would be nice. Actually, I do want those communicator things because you could use those and just tell someone to beam you up somewhere. Yes. I want to be beamed up. All right. I would like, I would like to, could I, could I get off of this planet occasionally? <laughs> I would like to get off planets.
0: All right. No. So, so you'll, you'll step into the transporter death box and uh, your clone After, is created at the other end. Yeah. You know,
2: mm-hmm. it seems to be proven out there at least. It doesn't okay. seem to be so proven here.
0: All right. <laughs> Uh, Kirk or Picard?
2: Oh, Picard, obviously.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, most overrated character on TNG.
2: Uh, on oh, who? Um, most overrated. Um, you know we don't need Riker. That guy. Pardon me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I can. I see you're just shaking your head at me like you heathen.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, later tonight you're editing this show. Okay, that's all I'm <laughs> saying. You're doing that you later.
2: Riker's got a great beard, but like, eh. It's
1: yeah, pretty... we, we refer to that on this show as the full Riker, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, we refer to a lot of things as the Riker, full
0: Riker,
2: right? Riker, <laughs> Riker is a very attractive man, but like, uh, uh, like it's all the things. Like, here's the thing if you take, and I mean, I have never done an analysis on this, but I feel if you take him out of the thing, some other character could have done pretty much everything he did decisively and just as well in his absence. He is I mean, other than other than uh, other than marital relations with with, with Deanna. and then I'm just saying I'm just saying we we had a Klingon who did that quite well.
1: like an episode that that was the weirdest. Okay. You remember okay. that? Okay. No, I'm just saying I'm just saying you remember that as like being a real relationship because I know I did. Maybe, and then, maybe
2: we, if Riker wasn't there, uh, maybe that was the only thing that was stopping their love.
1: That's mm. that's mm, maybe okay. they had.
2: Maybe they had feels and Riker was just stopping that. I'm just, I'm going <laughs> with this, okay? I'm, I'm pulling this straight out of my Diet Coke can.
1: Uh, two more questions in the lightning round, which is getting less lightning as it goes. But I heard that, <laughs> a ago, so it's cool. Uh, if you were a tree, how would you change science?
2: If I was a tree, how would I change science?
1: It's kind of a joke question. Don't worry about it. And the last one is, have you been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada?
2: Have I been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a Vulcan, Alberta, Canada.
2: I I have not. I've been to Alberta, though. However, a Vulcan and I did get married at the same place.
0: What? What?
2: A quarter Vulcan. Uh, Leonard Nimoy's son got married at San Francisco City Hall two weeks after I did. Oh, wow. Okay, right I I, I went to such an exclusive place that we're booking off planet uh, people. So there.
1: Nicely nicely done. Yeah. Um, golly, I want to ask you another question, but we're coming close to the end of time, but we not not the end of the show. Right. The end of the show time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What I'm wondering about is I, I want to talk to you about the rock star, you know, science thing that is Elon Musk at this point. Um, So he's like, you know, out there being Tony Stark, kind of, without the super suit, as far as we know. Uh, Sends sends a rocket up into space with a car on it. And then I'm watching the news yesterday, just regular news, and they interrupt programming to show that another Falcon is going up. And I don't remember them doing that so much over the past few years. I'm wondering where you think the interest or, or sort of expectations around science are as we sit here today in 2018. As far as like the public consciousness, what's people's take on science at this point?
2: That's a that is a, a, a large question that I, I wish I had a better capacity. And you got at. two minutes. All right, so <laughs> you know what I think? I, I think the wonderful thing about all of this is that uh, people are optimistic about science. For well, they don't have something to be optimistic about uh, publicly about many other things, uh, we have we're we're turning to science as a beacon of, of hope. Uh, while we have a lot of other things that are giving us reasons to be pessimistic, and unfortunately, good reasons to be pessimistic. So, while we're looking to leaders in politics and education that are giving us reasons uh, to doubt and be sad, uh, and and not and not know where the answers and the way out of of um, of our pessimism are, we can look up and look to 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 the stars and see a reason to be hopeful and a reason to keep trying to learn and a reason to better ourselves. Because as, as uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson would say, you know, science is a way to, to better, um, or it's, I'm not sure the exact quote I'm going to uh, jumble us a little bit, but um, you know, there's, there's a goal that we have uh, with science is that we can leave this place better uh, than we found it better for the next generation, better for our children and science is a way that we can do that. So I think that that's something that we can see uh, in the discoveries we're making now. So I hope that's something that I can leave you with.
0: Excellent. Uh, you can find Yvette at Cybabe.com, also Facebook.com slash Cybabe and on Twitter at the Cybabe or at Cybabe. Did I get that right?
2: It's Twitter is Twitter and Instagram at the Cybabe and the yes, com Cybabe. and Facebook page or uh, uh, the Facebook page or just minus the, the part.
0: So. Fantastic. Yvette, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It has been a blast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. If you ever want to discuss the the, the trekking ever again, uh, you know where to find me.
0: (laughs) We all do. (laughs) Thank you again. Mission Log is produced by Rottenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks. Producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp Priority One, and the Trek Files. We would again like to thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection for sponsoring this week's show, slash Discovery Starships.